0: Hey, if you've got a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5. If you want to uh, follow along, sermon notes, we're going to be in the YouVersion Bible app today. You can download and use that there. And um, I love how the Lord works. We're going to look at the first five verses of Romans chapter 5, and we're going to talk about the hope that we have in Christ, but specifically, we're going to talk about how this hope reminds us and, and what it looks like for us to go outside in these coming days. And so, uh, if you would, if you've got Romans chapter five there, let's read those first five verses uh, and just real quickly ask God to speak through his, his word. It says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Holy Spirit, we're thankful that you've been given to us because of the grace of God. May you speak to us today, teach us from your word, and challenge us. Show us how we might continue to follow your son, Jesus, in going outside. Amen. All right. Therefore, it starts out. Anytime there's a therefore, we have to ask the question, what is it therefore? And over the last two weeks, we've talked about this idea of justification. Justification is the idea that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross not only makes your sins as if they've never happened, but it also declares you righteous before God. It doesn't just make you a clean slate, but it declares you as right before God himself. In the eyes of God, you are exactly as you were intended to be. And so we've challenged one another over the last couple weeks to respond to the Lord with humility and with patience. Therefore, we have been declared righteous by faith, it says we get that free work of Christ by trusting Christ with our lives. And so we have to start from this place because nothing else that I say today matters if Christ doesn't give his life freely to death on the cross. It doesn't matter if he doesn't rise from the grave. It doesn't matter if Jesus isn't a dead man walking because that is the source and the base of our hope. It is the only thing that allows us to to have hope for the future. And then it says, when we, by faith, trust that we have been declared righteous, we have peace. Peace. Peace is an elusive thing in our world. We may seek peace by retreating in our house. It may be quieter in another room, but we don't find true peace. In fact, sometimes it's even more unsettling to be alone. We may try to escape the pressures of life through drinking or Netflix binging or lust. But we can't give ourselves peace. Peace comes only from knowing that we have been declared righteous by God. We may try to to do a lot of things to, to make ourselves feel better. But true and pure peace is only from this truth. I want to show you a short clip. It's a clip uh, of a guy. uh, it's It's a drama, a drama. But this guy is in the hospital. He's had an accident. He's got cancer. He's facing death. And that idea of true peace has all of a sudden become very unsettling to him. And a chaplain has come in to try and talk through that situation with him. Check it out. I wonder how many of us how many people, if they were put in the situation that this man is in, really have peace with God? We may try and convince ourselves that everything is okay. We may, we may find moments of escape, but do we really know? Do we have a confidence in the peace that we have with God? To know that he has truly forgiven us. Not looking inside of ourselves to find something different, but looking to the God who sent his son so that we might be declared righteous in the sight of the creator of the universe. Here's the reality. We live in a region where 248,000 people are not at peace with God they're not at peace with God their lives may look great they may be comfortable they may think they're okay you may think nothing is wrong but at the crux of the moment they have no peace with him there are 10 counties in this region that we live in this rural area of the Golden Triangle where 248,000 people are struggling with this. Shelby, Henry, Oldham, Trimble, Carroll, Owen, Franklin, Grant, Scott, Gallatin. 88% of the people who live in these counties are not in a regular relationship with Christ and his church. You heard Rachel share that Christ Community started with a list of 100 of these people. Lee wrote that list out not because he enjoyed the thought of starting a church or because he was just really compelled to go tell people about their sin, hey, do you know how messed up you are? Who wants to do that? He took the time to write down those names because he cared about them having peace with God. He cared about them getting to spend an eternity with the one who created them and loved them. And today, many of you are here. Most of you are here because a friend at some point was willing to go outside of their comfort zone to tell you about their church, where they worship this guy named Jesus. And Jesus was this guy who made a way for them to have ultimate peace. Maybe today you are still sitting there without that peace. And today I can tell you that you only experience forgiveness, right, to to the man's point. You only experience forgiveness by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God who's forgiven the sins of the world. And so here's the reality. It's a simple choice and yet a hard calling. The simple choice to give your life to him results in this hard calling of living a life of surrender. It's why we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 20, verse 23, let us hold on to the confession of our hope. We have to hold on to the truth about who Christ is in our relationship with him without wavering since he who promised is faithful. You see, it's not up to us to be faithful. We want to try to be faithful. We know we're going to fail, but he is faithful. He is our hope. But how do we how do we hold on to that hope? Let's go back to Romans 5. It says therefore since we've been declared righteous by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says this, we have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. You see, we're human. We're going to waver. We're going to search for peace. But when we have him, when we have his hope, our hope in God allows us to stand with confidence in God's grace. It's like as if it's, it's not enough to have peace with God. There's, there's more. He's not only given us peace, but he's also granted us access to grace. And that grace is the thing that helps us to stand, to take the next step, to, to be confident in who we are. The original language here paints a picture of of having it in our hands. Like we know that we have it. And he's saying this about the grace of God. Our faith in God illuminates God's grace in our lives. And when we have that, we learn to stand in the grace that we now see. Have you ever had those moments in life where it's like things stop and you look back and you realize how much grace God has actually given to you? How much you have that you don't actually deserve? This week, I had the honor to and, and the opportunity to go and be a part of a, a class at Dallas Seminary on church planning, and uh, it was really neat. We're sitting in this class. I got a picture of the class, and um, I, we didn't realize like everybody just comes to class. We're from all over, and we started introducing ourselves. And in this room, there was a guy from Haiti who was a church planner. There was a guy from Ethiopia who was a church planter. There was a guy from China. There was a young lady from Hong Kong. Uh, All over the country, all over the world, we're sitting in this class talking about church planning. And Friday morning, our professor says, you know, I had this realization last night that we have people from all over the world, from all kinds of different cultures, and we're, we're talking about church planning. Like, we need to hear from one another. And so he begins to ask all the international students, you know, what is church like? What is following Christ like in your country? It turned into one of those moments where I realized the grace that we have. The young lady who's sitting in the back, uh, she goes by Bianca when she's in, in America. She said, it's just easier. <laughs> Don't try to say my real name. She said, my name is Bianca. She said, I live in Hong Kong. I feel like the Lord's calling me to be a part of a, a, a church planning team. And she said, but it is very difficult in Hong Kong. She said, where we are, any messaging that we do on our phones, we have to use one app. And that app is monitored by our government. And any message that we send is going to be seen by them. And any message that contains any information, anything that hints at the idea of getting people together to have church, That's going to be bad, she said. (laughs) And I'm sitting over in the corner, like a good Baptist in the back, not paying attention, two seats down from Bianca, and I'm thinking, wow. Wow. The grace of God. Like, I'm going to go back to Christ Community Church this weekend. We're going to gather freely. I can post all over social media about all the fun things and how great it's going to be. And she is going to try to plant a church where she can't even send a message about doing so. Y'all, we have to stop for a moment and realize the incredible grace that God has given to Christ Community that we now stand in. And if you've never done that in your own life, I would encourage you to do that. Well, God has given all of us way more than we ever would deserve. Here at Christ Community, we have made so many mistakes. I have made so many mistakes. Some of them are small, some of them are huge. And yet the Lord has allowed us to continue to see people far from Jesus. People who are outside the church come to know him. I remember a few years ago, we decided as a church that we were going to plant a church instead of adding to the ministry we had here at Governor's Square. Here's the reality. We had no idea how a church was supposed to plant a church. Zero, zilch, none. We stumbled almost every step of the way, but by God's grace and to his glory, the church at Midland is surviving and thriving as it pursues the mission of loving God, loving people, and loving the community of Midland. Here's what's crazy. This is what I learned, another thing I learned this week, right? In the last few months, the number of churches in America that have reproduced themselves, like a healthy thing, right? Like a church has planted a church In America, it moved over the last quarter from 3% to 4%. 4% of the churches are doing a healthy thing and reproducing themselves. And it hit me. We had no clue what we were doing. And God allowed us to be one of 4% that was able to reproduce themselves. Like, God, that is more grace than we ever could deserve. That you let us be a part of of a mission that's reaching people and helping them to find peace in God. And so when I think about the grace that God has already given to me, to you, to this church, and I read Romans 5 2, where it says, We've obtained this grace, it's in our hands so that we might stand. I cannot help but think it is time to stand in that grace. It is time to stand. In that grace, how are you to stand in God's grace? And how will we stand in God's grace together? So here's what I want you to say with me. One person, one percent. Ready? One, two, three. One person, one percent. One more time. One person, one percent. All right? One person, one percent. You heard it in the video. This idea of just one person at a time, it's always been a part of the vision there's, a, there's a, um, a picture that helps me to understand what it means for us, one person at a time, to reproduce ourselves and other people's lives. This is so important. It's what we're called to as Christians. It's how we stand in the grace that God has given to us. And so the idea is that we are all spiritually dead without Christ. We have no peace with him. We are spiritually dead. But when we have faith in him and make a commitment to him, we become this infant we become this infant. We begin to grow a little bit. We're a child, and, and still many of the things that we do in life are self-centered. Right? We're learning how to walk in Christ. We're, trying, we're thinking all about what it looks like for me and my life to follow Christ. But then there's a moment where we continue to grow, and, and we realize it's not about us, and we become other-centered. And then I love this idea of becoming a spiritual parent, that we would reproduce ourselves in someone else's life. You see, so many of us, we stop somewhere in the bottom half of the circle. But God's plan for your life is to become a spiritual parent. Can you do that in one person's life? say, I don't know how to do that. Can you introduce them to the the person of Jesus? Can you talk to them about how you relate to him? That's it. Can you reproduce that in someone else's life? One person, 1%. What does 1% mean? our pastor elders, as we've been continuing to seek the Lord, as we've listened to one another in listening sessions, we're just beginning to ask, if there's 248,000 people who aren't at peace with God in this region that we live in, and we're standing in a ton of grace that God has given to us, Lord, what if we could see 1% of those people who are far from Christ, who don't have peace with Christ, what if we could see 1% of those reached through new churches? Just 1%. 2,480 people. What if we could do that? Lord, would you, like, would you allow, allow us to, to stand in that grace? None of us have to be a 2,000-member church. We've just got to keep reproducing ourselves one person at a time in, in people's lives. One person, 1%. You see, we stand in God's grace by reproducing ourselves, both individually and then corporately. And when I think about this, right, when I think about this, it gives me, it should give us great hope, because who knows how God will multiply his grace as we are faithful to multiply ourselves. Romans 5, verse 2, we have also obtained access, it's in our hand, through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And then it says, and we rejoice, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This word rejoice, it's kind of a biblical world. I don't word, I don't run around town saying, I'm rejoicing. Just, maybe I should, but I don't. What does it mean? When you look into it, it means to boast. We, you and me, we must boast in the hope of the glory of God. Like, we got to brag on Jesus. And you're like, yeah, but why is that so hard? Why, why do we want to go to our neighbor's house and talk about Jesus, but we just never seem to make it over there? Why do we think it sounds cool to share our faith, but we never seem to actually make it happen? Why do we love talking about what we might be, do for God, but never really get around to actually doing it? Why do we want more from our faith? Why do, we, why do we want more, but it never seems like anything happens? Why, when I realize that I should be rejoicing in Christ, would I rather complain about my circumstances? Like Why, why is it so hard to, to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God? Why do we struggle to boast? We've got three reasons quickly. And because of those three reasons, we're gonna ask you to do three things as we chase this vision of one person and one percent. Number one is that we aren't surrendered anymore. We aren't surrendered anymore. You know, when Lee and Rachel invited people into the Go Outside vision for the first time, it was a huge surrender. You heard about what they were giving up. The people that you saw in that video have given up more than any of us will ever know so that you and I could sit here today. They gave up great programming for them and their families at First Baptist and for the hope of reaching one person far from Christ. They gave up money time and time again as the mission grew. Space needed to be built out and staff needed to be hired, all in hopes that Christ would keep using the church to reach people who were outside the walls. You and I struggle to boast in the hope of Christ for our church because we have come to a point where we aren't surrendered. It's not that we meant to. We may not even realize that we're holding on to something but now that something is holding on to us. Bill Hybels shared a story of this realization in his life. He's a pastor and he said, I realized that that maybe, just maybe, I was holding on to things that that I was not supposed to be holding on to. He said, so I went and I took an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. And he said, on this sheet of paper, don't pay attention there's anything else on this, but it's just symbolic, right? On this sheet of paper, I listed everything, every asset that I had. I wrote it all down. He said, I went to my office, I knelt down on my knees. He so said, I began to pray. Lord, you have given me everything on this sheet of paper everything that I have in life was given to me by you. Do with it as you would please. Do with it as you would please. And in that moment, he resurrendered everything in his life back to the one who had given it to him. He confessed as he told that story he said, you know, it was easier to give when I had less to give than after I had more to give. The fuller the sheet gets, the harder it is to resurrender. Church, each of us must surrender. Maybe this is about money for you. It's about assets for you, and it's about resurrendering those to Christ. It likely is for many of us. We're American, after all. But this could also be about our time what we're committed to. If we listed all of those things on a sheet of paper and said, you know, Lord, my commitments are surrendered to you. Like you give me the hours in the day. You give me the energy to survive and do all these things and I want to give them back to you. Re-surrender everything to God. Go through a process, whatever that looks like for you. If you don't know where to start, maybe start with what he did because it's all his. He will build his church through people that surrender everything to him. We struggle to boast about God because we haven't surrendered everything to him. And those things that we haven't surrendered to him are now putting a grip on our life and keeping us from going outside. Number two, we can't hear what God is telling us to do. When something has a grip on our life, when we haven't surrendered everything to him, it's very difficult to hear what God is asking us to do. We end up walking around in this fog like, God, I want to follow you, but I'm, I'm just not sure what you want me to do. I'm like, well, have you actually surrendered everything to him? Like, are you ready to, to go if he says to go? So how do we listen to God? After surrendering to him, how do we listen to God? I'm so excited to introduce uh, Miss Darian Combs. She's going to come up for just a couple of minutes and talk about how she's been listening to God, and how she's going to help us as a church do the same. So, Darian, come on up. Give it up for Darian Combs. So, you may have noticed when you came in, if, you, if you're regular here with us, the boards have changed, and this is something that the Lord has been doing in Darian's life. And uh, she has created this uh, incredible initiative uh, by the Lord's leading. And, uh, and so, Darian, I'm going to ask you first... To just tell us quickly the story of how God's led you to do what you've done.
1: Yeah so I was just scrolling on social media one night and a previous professor of mine posted about a prayer event that she had hosted with her church. Um, So basically it was like a drive-up prayer event. They took their church um, outside into the community community at a central location and they just invited anyone in the community to uh, be prayed for about anything they needed prayer for. Um, so I really liked that idea, and um, I it was on my mind for a few days, and I thought this would be something really cool that our church could do, maybe not necessarily in that capacity, but in some way, shape, or form. So I texted Kenny about it, and I said, what do you think about this? Um, this is what I saw. Do you think it's something our church could do? And he actually told me that Katie Gaither, um, was, it was on her heart too to have some type of prayer-focused event for our church this summer. So we kind of joined forces and we talked um, for the past few weeks and we've been planning this and it was just really cool that it was put on my heart um, just by something I saw on social media and then it was put on her heart as well and so we're really excited for it. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so Darian uh, and Katie and others have worked together and uh, we, uh, she is setting a vision for us prayer walk every street in the city of Shelbyville this summer. And uh, this is going to be an initiative that we fully launch next week. Love Shelbyville Day. Come back, be a part of that. But um, Darian, tell us a little bit more. Give us a a glimpse of what it is. We'll officially launch it next week, but give us a glimpse of what we're going to be doing.
1: Okay, yeah, so it combines so many things that we're passionate about as a church and that we're called to as Christians. So going outside and bringing the church outside of these walls to the community, um, believing in the power of prayer, and then also just reaching people in Shelbyville who uh, don't know God or have a relationship with Jesus. Um, So if you notice the magnet board, there is a bunch of street names. There's over 500 streets in Shelbyville. Um, and we're gonna start this next week basically the idea is we want to pray for every street in Shelbyville which ultimately means we're praying for every person in Shelbyville Um, so the first time we want you to be present on the street whether you're um, driving down the street walking the street parked by the side of it uh, however that looks for you and you just pray for whatever God is calling you to pray for um, for that street and the people that are living on that street and the reason why we've put the street names on magnets, is we want uh, you to put that on your fridge and it be a reminder for you to continually pray for that street um, over the whole course of the summer. So right now it's just Shelbyville, but uh, eventually we want to reach all of Shelby County, and then we saw the list of 10-plus other counties, so we'll take this as far as God takes it for us. If, if we keep going past Shelby, we'll go out of Shelby. I love
0: it. I love it. Amen. All right. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So she'll be back um, often because I'm excited about this. And um, here's what's cool about this to me. Yeah, we get to go outside. We get to be on the street. It's it's cool. It's fun. It's whatever. It's whatever. I'm so excited because when we do this, like, the Lord is going to meet us. We are going to get to hear from God how he sees the people in our community, how he sees the streets in our community. He is going to instruct our ways as we walk and pray throughout all of Shelbyville. So we've got to resurrender. We've got to listen to the Lord. And here's the hard part. We've got to obey. When he speaks, we've got to obey. The courage to go. Sometimes it's hard to boast in Christ because we're not doing what God has already told us to do. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says it simply. It says, since then, we have such a hope. right? Like We have hope that we can have peace with the creator of the universe, that when he looks at us, he doesn't see us for our sins and our messiness and our, our gross lives, but he sees us as righteous. He sees us just as he created us to be. We have that hope. And since we have that hope, we act with great boldness. We act with great boldness. Re-surrender, listen, and obey. Now, inevitably, when we begin to obey what we have heard God say, when we're completely surrendered, hard times are going to come. And I believe that's why Paul wrote the next couple of verses He says, we've also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. We're going to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. You see, when we resurrender and we let go of things that we never thought we could let go of and when we listen to the Lord and when we do what he's asking us to do, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. But at the end of that process, we're only going to have more hope than when we began. And the beauty is that this hope is not going to disappoint us. Verse 5, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. One person, 1%. It's the mission of the church. Christ didn't die just so that we could all sit around and get old together. There's grace in that for sure, and I'm grateful for it. And maybe to Lee, I'm young, but I'm learning every day how old I'm getting. But God's plan for your life is to reproduce disciples of Jesus Christ. His plan for his church is to reproduce churches. And when we love on and encourage each other towards that mission, our hope in Christ will be sustained. We will become the hands and feet of Christ to one another. Graciously serving and caring for one another as we go outside to reach Shelbyville, this region, and the world for Christ. Today the band's going to come back up as we respond. Here's the reality. Some of us are not surrendered to the Lord right now. We need to resurrender. The other reality is that some of us are not at peace with God. We are not at peace with God. We can try to act like we are. We can try to make ourselves feel better by the fact that we made it to church this morning. But we are not at peace with God because we have not received the forgiveness of our sins from Jesus Christ. And if that's you, do not wait. I know the answer. The answer is Jesus. And he wants to redefine your life today. If you've never experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to join me in the starting point room. It's around the corner over here. And uh, we'll pray together. I want to hear your story. I want to walk together in these next steps. But put your hope in the one who's not going to disappoint you. Not Blake, not Christ Community Church. Jesus Christ. He will forgive your sins. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you alone forgive. You are the only God that saves and gives peace. And so, Father, we pray that you would uh, just send your spirit in this place this morning to convict of sin, to help us know what it is to be surrendered. We pray that you would, in the same moment as only you can do, Remind us of the grace that we have. Help us to stand in that grace this morning. Spirit, lead us as we respond to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning as we respond, may it just be a sweet time of worship for you where, where you consider whether or not you've surrendered everything to him. Today, some of you have new hope in Christ. And if that's you and you've been baptized, we invite you to come forward, take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice as a reminder of the hope and peace that you have with God. It's the last opportunity to give uh, of of cash in the back before we pray for our offering. You can always give at loveshull.com slash give. But most importantly, like I said, for those of you who have no peace with God, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't be the guy laying on your bed, fighting, unsure of what the Lord has for you. He has forgiveness. Seek him today, I pray. Let's respond.